Welcome to the Denker Capital Podcast, where our highly experienced team of in-depth thinkers and other experts share their insights on a range of investment-related topics. In this podcast, we have conversations about developments in South African and global markets and what these may mean for investors. We analyze specific stocks and sectors and explore general themes relating to the fundamental principles that underpin sound investment decisions in an ever-changing world. Hello and welcome to the Denker Capital Podcast with me, Nigel Barnes, and featuring today, Madelette Sessions, the Portfolio Manager of the Denker Sky Stable Fund. Welcome, Madelette. This is your first podcast, and I'm quite aware that I'm not sure many of our listeners have heard you before or know too much about you. So um, I know that you joined the Denker business back in June 2016, and that the Denker Stable Fund was launched in May 2017. Um, So we've got a four-year track record. Before we get into some of that detail, tell us, what type of investor are you? Morning, Nigel. I am a cautious investor. Believe it or not, I used to think I was adventurous, and that's what all girls who grow up in all household, all girl households think. And then I went into the real world and I realized actually I was quite a cautious, conservative investor, well, actually person, okay. but that has spread over into my investment life. And it stood me in good stead when I think things are unsustainable. It turns out that it makes sense to avoid those risks. Not always at the timelines that keep your customers happy or your investors happy. But I'm a firm believer in don't buy things that look unsustainable, that expose you to capital risk. Um, And I believe that being cost conscious is an important contributor to return. Okay, fantastic. So you're ideally placed to manage this fund, which is very much your baby. It's my baby. Yeah. But I know that you're an economist at heart and you follow markets and global macro very closely. Well, it's not just just markets, so... I've just come back from holiday and I found myself thinking about the economic constraints that Namibia and that environment is subject to. And this is on holiday. I think about what the scarcity of water means for economic growth in that economy. And then when I come back, I phone my old professor and we discuss it. I live and breathe economics. It is an important part of who I am and how I think about the world. And yes, that is part of how I manage this fund. And particularly an important component of how we manage this fund is understanding that macro is unpredictable. There are some fundamental truths, but that is not enough to understand what the future will hold. And so we are very focused on making sure that our client never needs to worry about what risks we're taking in this fund. We are trying to cover all bases. Okay. So again, ideally place to head up the multi-asset team um, at Denker based on your, as you say, your economic focus on a day-to-day basis. Interaction with the wider Denker team? Um, It's a a very valuable asset, I think, to any investor in any of the Denker products. We have a very wide range of products and exposures. So the global financial team spends a lot of time talking to very serious businesses. And from that, we gain perspective and insights. We also have the global equity team that analyze all sorts of outcomes and businesses, which we as South Africa don't really have exposure to. And that puts a very different and valuable perspective on our thinking. And it's something I think in a purely passive fund, you don't have access to. Sure. And the stable fund has passive components, but its risk management is active. And that broader engagement with the team helps give us perspective on what is going on in the world, um, where the risks are emanating from, where senior executives globally and in the financial industry are worried about, and what trends they see. 
So we have access to a very valuable and skilled analytical team, which helps us in all aspects of multi-asset management, not just the stable fund. Great. Uh, let's move on from, from you and talk a little bit about the Denker Stable Fund specifically. Uh, the investment philosophy of the fund, can you maybe expand a little bit? So the investment philosophy of the fund, it's really sort of, to understand it, you need to understand who we think our target investor is. Who do we want to invest in this fund? It's for people who are finished working in life. They are post-retirement and they now need somewhere safe for their nest egg. Uh, we know from economic research or statistical research that very volatile assets means that you run out of assets before you plan to. So when you are older, risk management, capital preservation is probably the most important determinant of your outcome. And so our target market is an investor that needs a stable capital base. And we think we provide that in spades. Uh, so we manage so that it doesn't matter what happens in equity markets. You can sell assets if you need to without needing to worry that you're getting 10% less than you were a month or two ago on your portfolio. Sure. You've talked there about the the, the direct investor. In terms of the multi-manager or fund of funds manager that might be listening, how would you position the fund for, for that client base? Right. So because we... We spend a lot of time thinking about potential outcomes in the world and making sure that our clients are exposed to all sorts of different assets so that they are fully diversified. We think that we are a core part of any building block strategy or fund to fund strategy. We are not uh, the fund that takes big bets on any particular macro outcome. And so we think that we provide a level of stability or defensiveness to a portfolio that has one or more product in it. Okay, so you, so you are more towards that defensive side in terms of uh, somebody looking to blend the fund with with other funds in the category. Yes. Okay, great. Um, and in terms of returns, I had a quick look and I see that over the, the four years, the lifespan of the fund, the A class has returned net of fees just in excess of 6%, 6.1% annualised. Been challenging times though, hey? How do you feel about those returns? No, that's right. It's been a very challenging time for markets. Outside of one or two asset classes, there has been very limited diversified returns available. So you've needed to own one or two assets. If you owned more than that, you've struggled. Also, anyone who's paying attention will know that interest rates globally are at record lows and they have been at very low levels for a long time. So it's been much more difficult to beat inflation when central banks don't give you the 3% spread to inflation anymore when they set interest rates. So it's been a tough time. We are not unhappy with our return. It's been competitive. It's been, I think, a top half performer in the category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we think we've sort of been disappointed by the level, but not surprised by it. You know, it's been tough in the markets. Sure. I happen to know that for part of your career, you focused very heavily on the, the listed property sector in South Africa. Clearly a, a segment that's been in the news, has had quite a tough time, but we've seen a recovery. Have you increased your exposure in that area? Marginally. We remain very concerned about the sector's fundamentals. Okay. There is excess supply of property in the South African market and the listed market. The balance sheets are stretched. Uh, there are no new investors in the market. So sort of, where's the money going to come from? And you can't destroy supply. You know, you can't consolidate. A building remains in place. So fundamentals, I think, remain quite concerning. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rally has been because the RAND strength has 
limited some of the liabilities that the companies have taken on offshore or reduced the value, RAND value of those liabilities. Okay. So we have increased very specific counters with very clean balance sheets and very clearly defined strategies that are not broad brush sectoral strategies. Okay. Very specific and targeted. Can you give me an example? We've increased our exposure. Um, like a couple of the companies we own is storage. Octodec is a little company that owns, believe it or not, large property holdings in Pretoria and Joburg CBD. Mm-hmm. They've been particularly badly hit because the residential market in those areas are student and government employees. Not all of those have returned back to the CBDs, um, but they've done all right. I mean, they had a tough time during the crisis as all their tenants left, but they up substantially in the last year and we've been a beneficiary. Property, one of your building blocks. Just explain your other building blocks currently. And then I suppose my question is based on what you're working on and what's maybe concerning you right now. Might you be diversifying or adding other building blocks to the asset allocation within the fund? Right. So, yes, we have exposure to global equities, local equities and fixed income locally, not offshore. Our local fixed income is split more or less evenly between inflation-linked bonds and normal government vanilla bonds, as they're called in the industry. Sure. We try to cover our bases. So we want to make sure that in a world where inflation surprises on the upside, we've got exposure to that. We do. We have inflation-linked bonds. So when inflation rises, your inflation-linked bond capital value goes up. That's a very valuable asset. Um, In a world in which inflation surprises to the downside, vanilla bonds do better. We own that. Equity markets, if growth surprises, we've got exposure to that. Now, our concern is that equity markets are pricing extremely generous growth. And so we are very cautious about the valuations of specifically foreign equity markets. And we are looking for alternatives to try and help manage or mitigate some of the valuation risks in equity markets. Something that we're also concerned about, and it's not a unique concern, is inflation risk out of the US. Now, one of the assets that we've been that we've had exposure to consistently the whole time and has been a very valuable asset for us has been the US dollar. Okay. But US inflation risks means that that dollar is worth less, fundamentally has reduced purchasing power. Mm-hmm. And so we do wonder whether or not it will be the safe haven asset that it has been in the past. And so we are thinking about what do we include in the portfolio to make sure that our clients are not excessively exposed or at risk from dollar-based inflation. Sure. Fantastic. Um, Thanks, Madalette. I think we'll leave it there. I've got one final question for you because I know you are a big listener of podcasts, hopefully this pod, um, and also um, you're quite an extensive reader. What's on your bedside table right now? And it might be something to do with Namibia, based on mine. I know you've just been there on holiday. What are you reading right now? So on my bedside table is a book by Rory Sutherland called Alchemy, okay, uh, which is about marketing strategies and how to sell ideas. Oh, dear, is... I'm a bit concerned as a sales guy. <laughs> um, it's a fascinating book, and it's about how logic doesn't always sell you can have the best idea but you know it doesn't doesn't matter podcast i've recently listened to which is fascinating is about the u.s labor market and income inequality so here's a stat just sort of from the podcast this morning the top i'm going to get this wrong but i think the top 10 percent of households in the u.s earn 200 
and ninety thousand, or maybe it's two hundred thousand dollars. The bottom ten percent of households earn ten thousand dollars, so it's a massive difference. But the top ten percent of households have, on average, more than two people working. So it's husband and wife, and at least one adult child in that household. Sure. The bottom ten percent of income earners have half a worker okay. in the household. So often unemployed or have one employee, but very much, much smaller household. So your income inequality statistics, very topical, but the devil's in the detail. Sure. And I think that's a message here because I know you very much are a detailed person. You read extensively and uh, it's been great to have you here, Madeleine, talking about the Denka Stable Fund. Thank and you. Uh, thank you. Thank you to all our listeners. Um, if anyone has any further questions for Madeleine or for myself, please drop me an email, nigel at denkacapital.com. We'll leave it there. Madeleine, thanks for your time. My we'll see you again soon. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you found it interesting. If you would like to join us again, please subscribe for more investment insights. To find out more about our team and the funds we offer, please visit our website at denkercapital.com. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of Denker Capital. This podcast does not take the circumstances of a particular person or entity into account and is not advice in relation to an investment. Please do not rely on any information without appropriate advice from an independent financial advisor. The value of investments may go down as well as up, and past performance is not a guide to future performance. Denker Capital is an authorized financial services provider in South Africa. Please visit denkercapital.com forward slash disclaimers for the full disclaimer relating to the South African fund mentioned in this episode.